Napa know-how. Keeping it simple is usually a good thing. And when it comes to rewards programs, keeping it simple is always a good thing. That's why we made the Napa Rewards program effortless. All you need is your phone number to start saving on the parts and tools you need. Then we automatically give you $5 off your next purchase for every 100 you spend. So start saving today with Napa Rewards. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Finsider Radio. I am your host, Matthew Kanata. I'm joined by Sutton and House. And of course, behind the scenes, James McKinney. Gentlemen, welcome to Finsider Radio. And if if you tell me that you were not dancing to that song, then you are a liar because I know I was dancing just now, sitting behind my computer screen. And I know that when I was putting this intro together tonight, I listened to half the song and was dancing and singing along with it. And, and ladies and gentlemen, this, this song is not about the trade deadline. You know, it's not about that. It's, it's about the bye week. I mean, how genius is that? And I have to give credit to my main man, Houts, for this idea. Right, Houts? It was your idea or was it you, Sutton? Yeah. It was Houts. All Houts. It was Houts. So, so Houts texted us the other day. I think it was yesterday or the day before. And he says, listen, last week, your choo-choo train song, you know, Come and Ride the Train, the song about JHI inspired me to think about a song for this week. And, and that would be Bye, Bye, Bye. And I, and I looked at my phone and I was just about to, you know, go to the bathroom at work. And, uh, you know, you probably don't need to know that piece of information. But I texted him. I said, House, you're a genius. This is what we're doing. And here we are today. And we just listened to Instinct on the opening of Finsider Radio. I, I, personally, I, personally think, I personally think that House just wanted to hear some Instinct before he got started. It's kind of like his motivational music to get him psyched up for the show. That was better than I ever imagined it would be. That was great. How, I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm so ready for the show now that we've listened to that song. How is this the song that you listen to every morning when you wake up? No, but I might start after this because, I mean, I'm that, that made my day. You can set it as your alarm so you wake up to it. I mean, this is like this is like a Rocky Done. montage. Done. Yeah, speaking of alarm clocks, you ever have an alarm and then, like, after two or three weeks, you just get sick of that song because it's the song you hate the most and you can't stand to listen to it anymore? Well, you associate it with waking up, which right, kind of which sucks is for most terrible. people. So. I mean, waking up yeah. is not terrible because if you don't wake up, you're dead, and then there's no more Finsider Radio with, with us. And then, you know, bad things happen after that with everything else. But when you wake <laughs> up, it's bad. You know what I mean? It's just not fun. Oh, my God. You're jinxing us again. We're all going to die. We're all going to yeah, die. We all got spiritual already, and we haven't even talked about playing the Jets yet. This is getting deep. But, but you know, back back to my original <laughs> statement, it, it is not about the trade deadline, which was today at 4 p.m. And, and the trade dead, deadline is, is kind of a joke in the NFL if you look at it in terms of 
how many people get traded or, or how very few people get traded besides the Jamie Collins trade that happened yesterday. There was really nothing that, that happened. I had a few minor moves last week, but one or two of them. But people wonder why there, there's no action at the trade deadline in the NFL. And there's a good reason for it. Some people say that the trade deadline is too early in the season. And, okay, we're going into week nine. You know, you're more than halfway through the season, right, Through the ha- halfway through the regular season. But you could look at the Dolphins, for example. If they were still a one-win team going into this week, uh, they would have been sellers at the deadline. They would have traded away lots of players for draft picks and, and basically for the future. They won the last two games against quality opponents, and now they're back in contention. So even just a, just a sweep of uh, two games kind of changes the whole outlook on the season. Now, would it be different if it was in week 11 or week 12? Absolutely. But here's the thing about the NFL. It is such a complex sport that any player going to another team in the middle of a season that wasn't there during training camp, that wasn't there during OTAs, their ability to pick up the playbook is, is very tough to do, no matter how much of a veteran you are. And especially if you never played for that coach before or played in that type of system before, the transition is a tough one. And obviously I don't have experience just reading things and listening to, to people talk about it and players talk about it and knowing some people down in Miami, it, it's just really, really tough uh, to pick up that playbook in the middle of the season and then get used to it. It takes players usually about three to four weeks to really start getting a hang of things. So then if you move the trade deadline back to week 11, let's say, by the time week 14 rolls around, then the players starting to make an impact. And I guess it's good for those teams who are contending for the Super Bowl. Well, for the rest of the league, it really doesn't help much. How it's a, and I don't know if you guys had any different ideas for the trade that deadline, how to make it more exciting, how to make it more meaningful. Obviously, obviously, this is not baseball. This is not basketball where you can just jump right in and start playing right away. It's a totally different sport. Right. I, I, it doesn't make much sense to make um, that many trades during the season. Um, you usually just see how things unfold and what your depth looks like. Um, the Patriots seem to be involved in just about any trade in the NFL anymore, so um, you just don't see many trades. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, a, a player coming into a system and trying to learn that offense this late in the season, it, it just happens very, very few often. And I mean, for me, I think a lot of it has to do with the way that teams now value draft picks. I mean, I could be wrong, but a lot of these midseason trades are normally done and there's some kind of pick or competition compensatory pick and I mean I think at the end of the day coaches and and front office personnel they just uh, value these picks entirely way too much right and then there's no guarantee that a draft pick is going to turn out to be well obviously the draft is a crapshoot and the more picks you have the better chances you have of landing a player that you can build with but it is what it is and I don't think we'll ever see the trade deadline get exciting in the NFL because just of the fact that it's just a, such a hard transition going from one team to the next. Although it will be of, nice to put, it will be nice to put the whole Cam Wake being traded to somewhere else. Talk yeah. To yeah. Uh, if the Dolphins, like I said, if they were a one win team, then I think Cam Wake would have been moved today and the Cowboys would have been a logical target for that. But they're not, they're three and four and, and they're starting to turn around and on Sunday, they're going to play a team that's three and five, and that is the New York Jets. And ladies and gentlemen, that means it is Jets week, not only here on Finsider Radio, 
but all across the internet. And, and we hate the Jets. It is no secret. Besides the Patriots, I think the Jets are the Dolphins' biggest rival. I don't even think you can look at the. I don't think you can look at the Bills and say they're the biggest rival. Um, it is the Patriots. It's the Jets, and I would even go as far to say that the Jets might be even more. Not because they're better than the Patriots, because they aren't, but more so because they're on the kind of the same level as the Dolphins been been circling in mediocrity over the past several years, and they're kind of on the same playing field as the Dolphins. You know, you got almost 90% of the NFL that goes up against the Patriots and know it's going to be a challenge. Is that really a rivalry? Yes, in some ways it is. And you have that tradition between the Dolphins and the Patriots, but really the, um, the blood and the sweat and all that really goes towards the Jets. And it's just, it's just bad between uh, these two teams. And I know on, on the finsider.com today, there's some Jets fans spewing off and thinking they're, they're the greatest team. I mean, this is a team that didn't have a quarterback until, early, late spring. This is a team that benched their starting quarterback. This is a team that played Geno Smith, of all people. And then after that, uh, Geno got hurt, and then they put Fitzpatrick back in. This is a team where the owner, the general manager, and the head coach don't believe in their quarterback and possibly even the offensive coordinator. And then you got Brandon Marshall holding court in a locker room, uh, basically holding a church service after they were uh, only had one win, saying they're in a perfect position. The Jets are a mess. They've had, they've had two wins. They beat the Browns last week. Who doesn't beat the Browns? Look, even the Dolphins beat the Browns when they weren't playing well. And then they, they have two more other wins as well, but that was before Fitzpatrick started falling off the face of the earth. But hey, MC Money, don't don't forget that they just shopped Sheldon Richardson to the world and uh, couldn't agree on compensation. So um, yeah. you also have possibly a disgruntled interior force for them. Yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch this team just just die a slow death during the season and then fire their head coach and general manager. <laughs> And then it's a typical Jets because they suck. And, and people might say, oh, you're a Dolphins fan. Why are you talking about the Jets like this? Listen, I don't care what you say. I hate the Jets, and we all hate the Jets, and that's just the way it's going to be. So, and tell us what you hate about the Jets. Okay, first of all, I hate Wayne Corbett, and I hate that he didn't wear any gloves and that he was glorified for it, and he was so hardcore because he didn't wear any gloves. Like – that didn't make any sense to me, even as, like, a 12-year-old boy. Like, why is that such a hardcore thing? He's not wearing gloves. And he always seemed to make plays against us, and he was just one of those gritty players that the other team had that he just wanted to punch in the face. Um, I also hate Jumbo Elliott because he caught that touchdown. And he just kind of belly flopped into the end zone and the Al Michaels call of that game, and it's just like, oh, that drives me crazy too. Jumbo Elliott, Wayne Corbett, they're just those two names just drive me crazy. Um, you know, they, they play New Jersey, which makes no sense. Um, you guys make fun of me for living in Cleveland, but damn, like, could you imagine being in the state of New York and then going to New Jersey to play your home games? I don't – that would suck, and therefore they suck. You know, that makes sense, right, logically? And yeah, then, that makes sense. You know, ruining our playoff chances, really, to be honest with you, ruin our playoff chances in 2013 um, just with Geno Smith, no less. Uh, that left such a bitter taste in my mouth. And plus, I have an obnoxious Jets friend, and we might be able to touch on that later, but I'll need to talk about that just yet. So basically you hate the Jets. 
Yeah, I mean, he's just a total douchebag. Like, if we were anywhere where there are any hot chicks, trust me, they would have been scared away instantly as soon as they saw this guy. So um, I have friends like that, too. I'll just leave it at that. All right. Uh, uh, And you go get this phone call that's on hold right now. House, what do you hate about the Jets? Yeah, I mean, Sutton touched on it. Losing that, uh, losing late in the season to miss out in the playoffs to Geno Smith, that really hurt. And he also said about the fans, and I think the fans have a lot to do with it. I mean, you see Fireman Ed on, on TV, and uh, everything about him I just I just hate. And, I mean, from growing up being a Dolphins fan, the Jets have always been one of our rivals, and the games have always been close and just bad blood between the two. So, for me, it's just everything about the Jets. And, and like Sutton said, Jersey, I mean, I, I went to school in Philly, and I, I, there were a lot of people from Jersey there, and you see the Jets fans, and they're, they're just loud and obnoxious, and they just like to talk. So for me, it's just the fans and just everything growing up, the rivalry. I, I hate everything about the Jets. And here's the thing. I live in the Northeast. I live in Connecticut, and I am surrounded by one Patriots fans. I'm surrounded by two Jets fans. I have Giants fans around me, and it's, it's awful. And there's not many Dolphins fans up there. So when we do see each other, we, we look at each other. We lock eyes with, between us Dolphins fans, and we almost want to hug each other. But that's kind of a joke there, so don't take that seriously. Um, <laughs> but the bottom line is we all hate the Jets, and we all want to move forward. Uh, and okay, MC Money, with that being said, how lit do you want this show to be? Oh, I want this show to be lit AF. Do we have Marino? Because I have a Jets fan on the line right now willing to talk to us about our little rivalry. So if we can ask some calm-headed questions, I can put them on the line. What do you think? All right. Well, listen, I'm going to bring him on right now. Okay. I'm going to tell him there's no cursing allowed. And his name is McGregor Wells. He's with um, some of the guys over at Gangrene Nation. All right. Let me bring him on. McGregor, this is Matt, the host. Thank you for joining Finsider Radio. Uh, I understand you're a Jets fan. Trust, please, obviously, no cursing or any anything uh, vulgar in that nature. Uh, <laughs> please tell us, why do you root for such a bad team? <laughs> well, when I started rooting for them, they were a good team. I mean, I remember the Super Bowl in uh, 1969, and uh, Joe Willie Namath going off the field, waving his index figure in the air, and that was kind of fun. So I actually grew up in a household of Dallas Cowboys fans, and I just couldn't stand the Cowboys. So the Jets oh, are my barf. team. Oh, Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, so the Jets are my team. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, McGregor, what I was going to say is I think that's how the Dolphins fans started too, you know, the 1970s era, era and then Marino coming in and Don Shula and them just dominating, and a lot of people became Dolphins fans. And then, kind of like the Jets, you know, the Dolphins have fallen off the cliff. And, you know, like I said at the top of this show, the rivalry between the Dolphins and the Jets is so intense because they're such on an even playing field and and they're very similar to each other. So they're on the same level with each other. I'll tell you what, when I was young and watching those 72, 73 Dolphins team, I was – I was uh, really amazed. That, that was uh, that was football at its finest. They were uh, fundamentally sound. They were unselfish. That was a terrific, terrific run you guys had back then. All right, we're talking to McGregor. McGregor I have a question. I have a question for you. Hold on. Son. Now Hold you on, guys son. have the. I'm sorry. You, you see, there's a delay on your side. We got to fix this. Uh, what I was saying is that we're talking to McGregor from Gang Green Nation, and he is a Jets fan. He's a caller into our show. 
If you want to call us, please do so at 347-326-9461. Again, 347-326-9461. But Sutton, go ahead and continue with your question. Yeah, so just looking at the raw stats, McGregor, you see a team that's number one in the NFL in rush yards per game allowed, and then you're looking at a team that's dead last in passing yards per game allowed. And I'm wondering, is the running game actually that efficient, making teams have to pass against you and it just works? Or are the stats skewed because of just how awful the secondary is? Uh, yes, <laughs> I think it's both. I think the the running defense really is a, a superb running defense. I think it's very difficult to run against the Jets. I don't think too many uh, backs are having any, any success doing that. On the other hand, passing against the Jets is a, a little bit like passing against a team with nobody on the other side. It's um, It's uh, been a terrific uh, pass defense here for the Jets, partly because Darrell Revis has been just so – awful um you've counted him to shut down the opposing's number one receiver and at this point you know he's he's probably a good matchup for the other team's number three receiver it's just it's just not working out they expect to be able to isolate him on on, on a number one and get the job done and he's just been torched and mcgregor uh, uh before we let you go i'm going to shoot this over to house he's going to ask you one more question and then we'll let you go again thank you for calling us uh, house what do you got for him um, yeah, I just want to know uh, what you got, what you think of your quarterback situation, how the Jets can fix it, and then if you could give us a prediction for uh, this week's game, that'd be awesome. Uh, the quarterback situation obviously fits is not the answer. Um, everybody knows that he won't even be there next year. Neither will Geno in all in all likelihood, and so we're left with the two untried young quarterbacks. Um, Hackenberg and Petty, and I really don't have a whole, don't have a whole lot of confidence in either one. Um, I thought Hackenberg was a huge reach at the at the second round, where you really have to rebuild his entire mechanics just to get him to be sort of passable, and then who knows how, where we go from there. Um, I think the Jets are in trouble in the quarterback situation, and I'm hoping that over the next year or two they'll find a, a quarterback in the draft. But I could be wrong. Who knows? Maybe the one one of the young guys works out. Um, a prediction for this. This game, uh, I'm actually not that confident. I wish I was. I mean, the Jets have been a whole lot of success in, in Miami recently, but I guess i got to go with the Dolphins. I think they're a slightly better team, and I think um, in the end it's going to be hard hard for the Jets' pass defense to, to deal with the Landry and company. Um, so let's say uh, Dolphins 23, Jets 17. All right, McGregor. Listen, uh, you are a very classy Jets fan. Uh, see, kind of like Democrats, Republicans, we can still get along, even though we root for different teams. Uh, thank you for calling Insider Radio. Enjoy the game on Sunday, all right? All right, thank you. Thanks for having me. Please appreciate it. All right, take care. All right, so I, I guess that, that went a lot better than I thought it would. I thought I thought it was going to be an obnoxious caller, and we'd have to hang up on him within the first 20 seconds, but that was a good conversation <laughs> with Gregor there. Yeah, he was uh, fairly calm-headed. Like the, the dude that I went to school with, this guy was such a spaz all the time. Like, and do you just have, have, ever have associations with certain people and certain teams? Yeah. I don't know. I just associate the Jets with a spazzy, out-of-control drunk that, like, throws up on himself after four drinks. See, that's me after two drinks. Um, <laughs> well, I'll find out here in a few days if that's actually accurate or not. first-hand vision of that when I come out to Cleveland on Friday and get lit <laughs> up in there. And speaking of, you know, getting lit, uh, so if you don't know what getting lit means, it's the millennials 
word these days of, you know, make it happen, you know, get live, get, get, get wild, get crazy. And, and it's going to be lit on Sunday and not necessarily lit in terms of getting wild and crazy, but the Jets defense is going to get lit up by Jay Ajayi, the Miami Dolphins running back who has rushed for over 200 yards in the past two games. And we'll look to continue that against the number one rush defense in the NFL, the New York Jets. And that is going to be the key for the Dolphins on offense. You have to get Jay Ajayi going. No matter how much they suck, you have to keep sticking to the run. Because the Jets, remember, have the worst pass defense in the NFL. And I think it would be very wrong for the Dolphins to come out and just start passing all over the place. Because obviously you need a lot to go right for the passing game to happen. Uh, offensive line needs to block for the quarterback. The quarterback needs to make the right read. The receiver needs to get open. The receiver needs to catch the ball after an accurately thrown ball by the quarterback. So there's a lot that can go wrong. And, and the Jets, you know, you can scheme for these kind of things. And really, you don't start really attacking the pass defense until you start solidifying the run game and give the Jets a reason to, to worry about the run game and so forth. So I think that's what Dolphins need to do. They need to come out strong in the run game, keep feeding the ball to a Jai. Get Jakeem Grant mixed in there, there, get a little crazy with the run game, and start opening up these holes in the secondary for the Ryan Tannehill to attack down the field and open up those pockets on the defensive side of the ball. How it's for you, one key on offense for the Dolphins? For me, it's how well the Dolphins' offensive line holds up against that uh, front four of the New York Jets. I mean, we saw the last two games how su- successful they've been running the football and how well the offensive line has protected Tannehill. So for me, if uh, Miami wants to continue doing what they've been doing on the ground and with uh, Tannehill's arm, I think the Dolphins need to contain that front four, and it's going to rely heavily on the offensive line. For me, I think it's the wide receivers. But let me go back to some stats from last year, and some of these stats are going to make you want to throw up in your mouth. Okay, last year in two games, okay, MC Money, let me ask you this. In two games last year against the Jets, how many times do you think we ran the ball? Uh, less than 20 combined. 20 total. Wow. Uh, 11 times in one game and nine in the other. Don't so, <laughs> I mean, you can't be that one-dimensional against any team and expect to have any type of success. And then you couple that with we were four for 27 on third down in those two games. And Chris Ivory had 175 yards after contact in those two games last year. So you couple all those things together, no wonder they kicked our ass so bad last year. So, um, But there's one obscure thing about the game, uh, the first game that we played them last year. Uh, the Jets blitzed Tannehill in the secondary uh, 22 times in that game. And that was the most times a secondary has blitzed a quarterback in the last five years before that. So I have to agree with Houts that the the most important thing in this game is protecting Tannehill and maybe not necessarily the offensive line, but those, those tight ends and those running backs picking up those blitzes coming off the edge there that, you know, maybe the tackle has to get in to help with, uh, uh, some of the inward pressure, and then they bring somebody um, off the edge from the nickel. Um, those running backs have to be able to pick up that pressure and keep Tannehill um, 
on his feet, being able to go through his progressions and make some plays there. So I actually agree with Houts that on offense we just we need to protect Tannehill because if we can, um, the stats suggest that we should be able to shred the secondary. It's about time someone agrees with House because I think he was feeling a little sad that we weren't uh, agreeing with him too much. But, you know, it's, it's all good. <laughs> now on the defensive side of the ball for the Dolphins, I think it's important for them to – I think I think the Dolphins should make Fitzpatrick beat them with his arm. And you may have not said this a few years ago when he was, you know, rolling along. Even last year I think it was. He was just rolling along the NFL and just destroying defenses left and right. It's really weird. Um, but that's what Ryan Fitzpatrick has done in his whole career. He has had an outstanding season, and then the next season has literally dropped off the cliff. And I think the Dolphins need to make him win throwing the ball. You know, stack the line, uh, put eight men in the box, stop Forte, stop Powell. And, and then if you can have – if Maxwell continues his solid play, then Brandon Marshall can be shut down. I know they got Quincy and Nunwa, who's really coming along well. But the Dolphins' defense has really, really started to um, – you know, come along. And if the Dolphins get an early lead, they can pin their ears back and rush the passer like they have done in the past two games and really get at Fitzpatrick. Um, I am very confident in the Dolphins this game. I really think it's not a fluke. It's not like last year where the Dolphins destroyed Houston and then uh, also beat Tennessee after Joel Philbin was fired. I think those two games were based on all adrenaline, all momentum, you know, the excitement of a new coach. But what we've seen the past two weeks is really scheming, strategy, and really execution. And I, I feel different about this team's turnaround than I have in the past few years. So the defense is really going to have a big role in Sunday's game. And for, for you, Houts, what is one key on defense uh, to stop the Jets? Uh, you touched on it a little bit, but for me, it's stopping Matt Forte. Most of the year, we've talked about what the Dolphins need to do in order to win games, and it always came back to either playing uh, well against the pass or stopping the run game, and more times than not, it was stopping the run game. So for me, it's it's stopping Forte and Bilal Powell. I mean, Forte has 542 yards this year, six touchdowns. Um, if they're able to to rely on him throughout the game, Miami might, it could be a long day. I, I remember I was at a Monday night football game a couple of years ago, and the, the Jets just gashed the Dolphins. I think it was 200-plus yards on the ground. I think Miami still won the game, but, I mean, they're notorious for just pounding the ball. So, for us, it stopped Forte and, like you said, make Fitzpatrick beat us with his arm. I actually think we need to focus on Brandon Marshall because he's the one that killed us last year, had uh, 16 catches, about 260, two touchdowns last year. So, uh, if we can contain him – and if we can play run defense like we played against Cincinnati and Buffalo, I mean, those were very impressive performances. And those were at different points in our kind of growth as a team. So we shut down Jeremy Hill against Cincinnati at their place on a short week with little preparation while we were in our funk. So we did have that game. And plus the game uh, that we had last, um, you know, two Sundays ago to against Buffalo. So – we need to be able to stop Brandon Marshall. If we can do that, make Fitzpatrick go past his first and even second progression, he's probably going to cause some turnovers for his team because they're, let's see, Miami is 27th in the NFL in turnover margin, and we are still four better than the Jets. So we need to, if we can win that turnover margin on Sunday, 
we all know how the percentages go up for a team that wins the turnover battle. Right. And I think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be a close game. I think the Dolphins are going to come in and dominate. And that could be the homer in me and getting excited about this coming game in the past two games. But I really do think the Dolphins at home are going to turn over a new leaf and really start to, you know, get rolling on this season. Um, let's move it over to the live thread now on the Finsider.com. How Sutton, do we have anything going on there? I know we're up against the World Series tonight, so there might not be a lot of activity. <laughs> yeah, Agent J78, who's a late arrival, and made sure he made his uh, presence known so we can start now. I'm here. Um, he asked, it's a simple formula to win. Make the other teams one-dimensional. Don't become one-dimensional ourselves. It's not rocket science. And he's absolutely correct because, I mean, just look at the the ratios from last year when we played them the run-pass breakdown and then how much they were running down our throat and not having to pass it all so they're not putting themselves at risk that much. So um, we need to be able to stop the run and establish a run. And considering what we've seen over the last couple games, I think uh, we're in a much better shape to be able to do that and stay balanced on offense. I think that's very important. All right. So, do we have anything else going on in the live thread? Here's one from uh, Fin Fan from Yeah, here's one from Fin Fan from Siam. He says, Would would it be the Dolphins thing to lay an egg on Sunday? Uh for me, I mean we've seen in the past with Joe Philbin after a bye week the, the team just came out and just played flat. But uh, like Matt said earlier, I don't think that's the case with Adam Gase and and the way he leads these players and I think the Dolphins are gonna come out and uh they're gonna take it to the Jets. I mean, yes, it'd be very dolphin like for them to lay an egg this Sunday, but I, I don't think we have to worry about that. And how right, that's a uh, let me can I touch on that really quick? Um, it's a very important point that you brought up because we are playing the Jets after we have a bye and they do not, so we've had an extra week of preparation. And yep. I thought it had to have been a while since that happened. Like you play uh, the Jets after bye and they don't have one, you it seemed kind of unfair to divisional opponents to set that up, but um, whatever. <laughs> But back in 2012, it actually happened. We played them after a bye, and they didn't. We ended up winning 30-9. to nine. So not saying that's going to happen, but there's some um, precedent that uh, playing a divisional opponent with an extra week might be a good thing. All right, let's jump over now to Twitter from our buddy. Guess who, guys? Caruth. 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 Caruth, Caruth. Caruth is on fire. All right, he only oh, has nice. two questions for us. Actually, he put in three. So the first one we kind of touched on earlier, uh, you're surprised the team didn't do anything today trade-wise. No, I am not. Like I said at the top of the show, it's very hard for a player to transition, especially in um, Adam Gase's offense and Vance Joseph's defense. It's going to take them a while, and these guys are seem like the guys who really just play people who understand the scheme and have a good hold of it. Second question from Caruth, what do you think the injury to Rashad Jones will do to possible extension talks with the team. How I'm going to throw this one to you. Man, I was thinking about that earlier today, actually, and, and I don't know if the team's going to, you know, try to hold off and see how he performs next year. But for me, I think I think the Dolphins know what they have in Rashad Jones, and you'd like to hope that despite the injury, the Dolphins can still work out a long-term deal with, in my opinion, the best player on defense. All right, and the last question, I'm going to throw it to Sutton from Caruth, and it looks like the last question on Twitter tonight. As of right now, Sutton, what is the most needy spot to fill on this team 
either through draft or free agency? Well, going into next year, I think that's a good question. Linebacker was kind of the position that popped out at me at first, but now that I have a little bit of time to think about it, I'm going defensive end just because uh, Mario, Cameron Wake, not much behind them, not much potential for growth behind them. We have no idea what's going on with Deion Jordan, um, one of the most premium positions in the NFL. You have to either have the passer or rush the passer, and I think we need to be able to stay up with that here in Miami. That needs to be our thing is getting after quarterbacks. So let's get a nasty defensive end if possible. So I'm going to the end. Okay, and what's a little bit ironic about about you going defensive end is that on this coming Sunday against the Jets, it will be the Dolphins' offensive line, which is primarily made up of first-round picks, against the Jets' defensive line, which is primarily made up of first-round picks. And it's going to be a good test in the trenches. And the thing with the Dolphins is they have played great football the past two weeks with Jay Ajayi complimenting the offense to Ryan Tannehill, who is taking advantage of the, of the defense playing up in the box and trying to stop Ajayi. We've seen that work out really well. I mean, those stretch plays, not only do I love those plays in Madden, but I always seem to get about five to seven yards on them every time I run them rather than the inside zone runs. But it's, it's just so smooth with this offensive line and with Ryan Tannehill and Jay Ajayi. Just get to that edge and really just make it happen. You know, get to the edge and boom, you know, cut up the field. And if you can see my hands right now, I'm, I'm kind of like John Madden where you go through the A gap and the B gap and boom, you hit the hole and then you get a first down. Um, so that's the way it needs to go. <laughs> Jay Ajayi's burst is so fast. It is so quick. I watched that game again and he just gets it, cuts, and then boom, he just shoots through that hole. And then what that does is, is that makes the defense play up more. Then the quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, is able to attack more down the field in single coverage or in soft zones. And that's really the way the Dolphins, like I said a, a little while ago, that's really the way they need to continue to move. And we were talking before we went on the air tonight. I had mentioned to the guys that I made a trade in fantasy football today. And you guys might hate me, and I, and I hate myself for doing it. Um, I traded away Jay Ajayi and Randall Cobb for Amari Cooper and Theo Riddick, PPR league. Um, for me, I think it's a, it's a pretty decent trade. I'm not really comfortable with Randall Cobb. They have many mouths to feed on the Packers' defense, um, offense, and Randall Cobb has been a little inconsistent for me. Amari Cooper is locked in as a wide receiver one. I mean, that he's an absolute stud, proven stud. Uh, Theo Riddick is an absolute gem in PPR. And J.H.I. is a beast, and he could be, and I hope so, he's a monster throughout the rest of the season. But the fact is that we don't know. We don't know if he's going to hit a brick wall in a week or two. We don't know how much he's going to hold up. Uh, He's had 49 carries in the past two games, which is a lot of carries. And the Dolphins would ideally like to keep him around 20 carries per game. Um, So really, you know, the question is, can Jay Ajayi and Ryan Tannehill continue to complement each other on the offensive side of the ball? Sutton, what do you think? I mean, that's, if that's anything I've preached on the Finn Sider for years, ever since I joined, it was getting Miami to be a balanced offense because when you're a balanced offense, you can do so many things. And I've always thought Ryan Tannehill was a great play-action quarterback, but we've never been able to make that happen because we've never had a credible rushing attack to allow play-action to even work in the first place, to even honor it. 
So the fact that we have a legit rushing attack and Pittsburgh and Buffalo, despite what everybody's I've seen <laughs> lately saying they're slouches in the rush game, when we played them, they were not. They were middle of the pack at worst uh, rushing attack for us to put 200 yards plus on both of them. Um, so to be able to have that kind of rush game established and to have a credible play-action pass attack there, if we can get both of those aspects of the offense going, it really expands the playbook and I think creates a better environment for people to have their strengths actualized. So when you have more plays in the playbook to run, in other words, you have more plays in the playbook to run, you can do more things with the personnel that you have. So, um, And I keep going back to what Adam Gay said in that last game, how easy it was uh, to game plan for, for that kind of game if you can get five, six, seven-yard chunks every time you call running play. Um, that's an easy game to call. So hopefully we are in that same situation where, uh, where the running game is established. Uh, we can get five- and six-yard chunks, and that really opens up a playbook for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it really all comes back to the offensive line. I mean, when, when they're healthy and, and working as one cohesive unit, I mean, we saw what JHI has done over these past few weeks. And, I mean, like you guys both said, Tannehill's game is just so much better when he has that run game to rely on. They get those big games on first down, and then he can rely on his play action. Like uh, like Matt, Matt said, they're, they move in, they bring eight men into the box. And uh, – I know we touched on a little bit earlier and asked if whether or not Jay Ajayi would be able to keep doing what he's been doing, but we can't forget in college in 2013 and 14 as a sophomore and junior at Boise State, uh, Ajayi carried the ball 596 times for 3,248 yards and 46 touchdowns. So, I mean, he's been a that workhorse before. I, I know it's in college, but, I mean, he, he has been a workhorse before, and I think Miami, they can continue to rely on him. I think uh, – the Dolphins have a real chance of maybe sneaking into the wild card this year. That is an absolutely crazy amount of times to carry the ball in a season, I think. Especially at college level where they play less than right? Yeah. Well, great response house. That's like a long text message to my business. That's the equivalent right there. It's a lot of houses I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> moving on. So Agent J78 just asked in a live thread, who is the X factor on offense and defense? What do you think, Houts? Uh, for me, X factor on offense, like we've, we've been saying, J.H.I., everything pretty much comes down to him. And uh, I guess, Sutton, what do you think about defense? Well, if we're considering X factors in kind of like a unknown you know, unknown person that's going to step up and and participate in this game and do something meaningful that maybe they haven't before. X factor. I'm going to say Devontae Parker, be, just because of the secondary. I think um, you have to focus your attention on Jarvis Landry and trying to minimize his reception. So that makes Devontae Parker, who um, made a couple of flashes early in the season and has disappeared almost entirely over the last three or four weeks. Um, I think he's the one that might kind of step up out of nowhere and make some plays for us on Sunday. And then on defense, 
Uh, I'd like to see Jordan Phillips step up again and help this run defense solidify everything because how if we follow your formula and we shut down that run and make Fitzpatrick play against, you know, pass against us, then I think we're going to still be in good shape. Um, so if Jordan Phillips can help complement Sue and be able to take advantage of some of the one-on-ones that he has, I think Jordan Phillips stepping up will be a good X factor for this defense. All right. And it's time for us to step up here on Finside Radio because it is prediction time for Sunday's game. And how – actually, no, we're going to start with me this week because I usually go last after I listen to what you two have to say about it. And for me, like I'll show, I'm feeling confident about Sunday's game. I think it's going to be a blowout. I think we're going to see 30-14 to 14 Dolphins win. Sutton. I got Dolphins 27. I think we're going to move the ball well, but maybe stall a couple of um, late drives. But uh, I don't think the Jets are going to do much against the Sun defense. I'm feeling a little more confident on the defensive side of things going into this. So I'm going to say 27-17. All right. What do we got, Alice? Uh, For me, I'm going to go – 24-10. I had that written down from the beginning of the show, so I'm just going to stick to that. 24-10, Dolphins win. All right. So we are going 3-0 and for a Dolphins win on Sunday, 1 p.m. It's Hard Rock Stadium. I think that place is going to be loud. I know Jets fans travel very well, but I think the recent turnaround with the Dolphins is going to get a lot more Dolphins fans out to the stadium. Just a real quick note I should have mentioned at the top of the show as well, but I was too into the Bye 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 song by NSYNC that we played at the top, <laughs> as I know all of you were. And I might listen to it after this show, to be completely honest with you. But uh, due to the presidential election next Tuesday, Finsider Radio will not be on the air on Tuesday, but we will be on the air on Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, no show on Tuesday because of the presidential election but we will be on the air on Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. How Sutton, you got anything else before we head off the air for this week? Go Indians. Jets suck. Yeah. Uh, listen, I do hope the Cubs win tonight and the Indians win tomorrow. I am headed to Cleveland. I'm meeting up with Sutton on Friday night. He's going to show me the best bars around. I'm going to make it only to the first bar because after two drinks, I am a two-beer queer. I am done. I am buzzed. After three or four drinks, you can count me out. One, two, three. I'm out for the count. Uh, but it's going to be fun, son. I'm looking forward to meeting you, and, and hopefully that uh, you you are as nice as you are on on our radio show. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll be very nice to you. I will pleasantly lay you down on a pile of trash bags um, before laying you on a curb um, in the uh, dark alley of Cleveland if uh, you pass out at the wrong time. So. All right. Well, this sounds very interesting. Sounds for a great weekend. I can't wait for it, son. <laughs> but hey if the indians win everybody will be in a good mood and you don't have to worry about the hobos attacking you it's great yeah no no i hope i do hope the cubs win tonight i hope the indians win tomorrow because i really want to see that parade i'm flying in on friday morning even if they have the parade on friday afternoon i'll get in on time and if they have it on saturday of course it's going to be lit all right ladies and gentlemen thank you for joining us this week on finsider radio we hope you enjoyed the show enjoy the rest of the world series game six tonight Enjoy Game 7 when it gets there. Enjoy Sunday's game against the New York Jets. And, of course, enjoy the Dolphins win. Take care.
Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find this anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.